The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies! Movies! Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. It's me, John Burke, with Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And our special guest this week, and I hope Alejandro told me to say this correctly, Jamie Young, correct? There you go. I'm so proud of you, John. I did my research. See, Jamie, you may not know this about me, but I am notoriously bad at pronouncing last names. So (laughs) I I went to Alejandro. I was like, tell me how I'm supposed to say this so I don't screw it up on the podcast. Because it's bad enough when the person's not with me. But when the person's talking to me, I have to at least look like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. No spot on. Well done, sir. And uh, Jamie is an actor, and um, I don't want to short credit you. Is that where you place yourself? Are you an actor? Are you a filmmaker? Like, do you have other? Uh... I'm an I'm an actor, yeah. And, and uh, I, we'll probably talk about that later. Uh, you know, getting into filmmaking, yeah, mm-hmm. is definitely yeah. something I'm interested in. Well, I met um, Alejandro, uh, who did a directed a film for Rebel without Rebel without a crew, uh, called Monday. And Jamie is the lead actor in that film. Um, both Corey and I have been fortunate enough to see the movie. So I'm glad Corey was able to join us on the episode tonight because we both have seen you act. And uh, I got to say, sir, I enjoyed Monday very much. And the comedic uh, timing I thought that you brought to the film was great. So I'm really glad to get to talk to you. Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate you getting a chance to, to look it over and give your uh, your critical eye to it. Well, I, I keep trying to develop my critical eye. It's something that I've become uh, obsessively passionate about over the last three years. Um but yeah, film is, uh, I realized a few years ago that film was like my first love. Like I remember being like two years old and seeing Ghostbusters for the first time and just, um, I, I love movies and I love talking about them and it's, it seems to be the only thing that my brain will retain. Like I remember when a movie came out, but I can't tell you any historical significance outside of movies. Um, but you know, that's what, you know, you just follow what you're good at. And so far talking about movies, that's my thing. Um, Jamie, there you go. You- yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us, like, where are you from? Well, I'll keep it short. Uh, my dad was in the, the U.S. Air Force, uh, so I was born in Missouri, lived in Japan for a little bit, England, Texas, Germany, New York. Oh, man. My parents are semi-retired in New Mexico at the moment. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And did you know Alejandro before you worked on the film? I met Alejandro auditioning for the short film Monday about um, maybe two and a half years ago. Oh wow! I didn't realize the short was that much uh, older. I didn't. I didn't have the timetable on that. That's that's interesting. So you guys stayed in contact enough that when he did the feature, that he pulled you in. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's always wanting wanting to turn his short films into features. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of you know finding the financing, finding the right opportunity. And he was just telling me little bits and pieces about this unnamed project, which eventually turned out to be Rebel Without a Crew, the series. And uh, we got more and more excited about it. And then all of a sudden. He didn't have a cell phone anymore. <laughs> they, oh. they took his cell phone, gave him his own cell phone, and he was in Austin, and I was oh. still trying to confirm when I should be there, when everybody else was flying in, how, you know, the mechanics of the whole project. Yeah. So it, was, it was really exciting, you know. A lot of these things, you just gotta, you just gotta go for it. You just gotta jump off, you know, and the net will appear type deal. And so I'm, I'm, I'm super glad that we, we took this adventure, because, man, what hell of an adventure. I don't know if you've been watching the, the reality TV I show. I have. Yeah, I, I love the show. In fact, um, 
I, I teach high school film. That's my day job. And then I do the reviews and the podcast. Um, it's, it's a business, but you know, it's, it's a hobby business. You know what I'm saying? Like not a whole lot of profit to be made from blogging, but at least not at my early stage and my lack of fame and contacts. But, um, I actually brought like some of my students who are wanting to be filmmakers. I was like, you need to watch this show just to see, you know, the one, the process and also the fact that you can make quality content with almost no money and, don't let that be a reason you don't make something, you know, because I have a student wrote um, a feature length screenplay and he's been working real hard to to he's cast like friends of his. I mean, they just graduated high school, so they're they're in the process of shooting a feature um, really fragmented, you know, like there's weeks in between sh- like shoots. So it's really, really a, a challenge for him, but he's sticking to it and he's trying really hard. And I think uh, Rebel Without a Crew just does a great job of showing the whole process and uh, the struggles that you guys go through and also the successes that you guys have on the show. Plus it's really entertaining. Um, listeners, it's free to watch on go90.com or you can download the go90 app. And I think it's even on the, uh, the El Rey Tumblr page. If I have understood that correctly. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll be on El network later this year, which okay. is if you have that as part of your cable package or your streaming services, there's another way to view it. But if you don't want to wait, like I've been too impatient to wait. Although I have to say, I'm not used to, like, a weekly show anymore because I generally just watch stuff on Netflix or, like, um, even Amazon tends to drop the whole, like, at least half the season. So waiting Binge week watch. to week is uh, has been tough, but I've done it, and I, I've enjoyed every week. So I just, like, I think we get a new episode tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, too, so. Are the episodes yeah, an hour? And, uh, uh, they're, like, yeah, 22 well, minutes. Yeah, a week from tomorrow, you're going to get to binge the whole season. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's, everything comes out... Uh, Next week, I take it then. That'll be the last episode. Episode 12 comes out a week from tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't been watching it, yeah, definitely go back and watch all of it. It is very easy to watch. And I'll tell you, not binging kind of sucked because there were some major cliffhangers left on episodes where, like, <laughs> it would just be, like, at a key moment. And they're like, next week. I'm like, no, I need to know what happens. <laughs> but, um, yeah, some really great stuff. they're too short, and they, they really cut the... Yeah, those little those little stories where how they separate them out, especially in the pre-production stage, the very clear yes. stages. That it feels like, yeah, there's like a meat cleaver right in the middle. You know, you just there is. And for me, you know, I I didn't get to see a lot of these different stories with the different filmmaking teams, so I'm getting oh. a whole new perspective on it as well. And we were shooting at nights. The, the other crews were primarily shooting in the days. Yep. So it, it was, you know, we were all kind of isolated in a lot of ways from the the series experience. So it's been. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and every crew has something going on. Like, um, you know, I I have not got to see uh, most of the features. I actually have seen Bola's feature as well. Um, so I've seen Alejandro's and Bola's, and uh, just crazy what you guys were able to do. Um, if you if you're not familiar with the premise, listeners, uh, Rebel Without a Crew is also the name of Robert Rodriguez's uh, book, which was the diary of his process of making his film El Mariachi where he made a movie in 14 days with a $7,000 budget. So he's given five directors that same opportunity, 14 days, uh, $7,000, and a little more access than what he had because there's sets and things that he has uh, given access to, um, some props and stuff like that. But nonetheless, still a tremendous challenge. I mean, just the episode where you, they cast the rest of the their people is intense. Like It's like a two-hour casting call. And it's basically like them walking through a herd of cattle 
try and not to use Alfred Hitchcock's comparison to actors cattle. I am in no way implying that. Just saying, like the way that everyone's in one room and they're literally like auditioning in one corner, and that you can hear the other people auditioning in the other corner because there's no time to do it any other way. It's crazy, definitely very stressful. Oh yeah, it, in that episode, I think you really see the directors all freaking out, like who do we take? And of course, there's even some like rivalry almost a little bit with that because they both want one person or they want this person to be this guy and he he has another opportunity i mean it's crazy um jamie didn't have to go through that part though good for jamie (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's from what i can recall on the show and i i i don't remember sometimes what i got after the episodes air alejandro was really good at telling me nothing but like as soon as an ep- I finish watching an episode, I'm like messaging him like, "Hey, what what was this about? And how did this happen?" So I might know things that I shouldn't know um, from like talking to him outside of the show. But I feel like uh, he he seemed to be the only director who had people coming in already uh, for the cast. Like he had you. Um, I am gonna forget your co-stars names at the top of my head. Who is also I think his plus one on the set. Um, well, our plus one was Ryan Halsey. Yes. So he was our cinematographer. He also runs a company called Serious Grippage and Lighting in, in Albuquerque. So he, he knows his way around lighting equipment, knows his way around a, comp- uh, a camera. He was our plus one. Every filmmaker was allowed a plus one, and that yep. could be a cinematographer, an AD, an actor. It was that person that they thought had the most to contribute from back home. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the other filmmakers, they did bring their plus one was the lead actor. Uh, that was Josh's um, in The Good Exorcist. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's correct. And then I was, who am I thinking of? Kenneth is who I'm thinking of. Because Kenneth has seen yeah. with Alejandro a whole lot. And so I assume they, and from uh, Alejandro's current Instagram, because he's been traveling with you guys, just did a uh, screening back in New Mexico too, right? Yeah, we were at the, uh, well, we were at the um, New Filmmakers uh, Award Ceremony a couple weeks ago. So that was, that was the three of us. And, uh, Tika, who was the lead actress in Leslie, and uh, yeah, we, we all met up for a screening in Albuquerque last weekend, which was amazing. We finally got to really open this film up a little bit more. Uh, we can really feel the momentum and really, you know, reach out to this, this New Mexico family. You know, my, my, my parents live there. My sister flew in from Boston with her roommate. They've been going crazy about the reality show. They're, they're really into reality TV, uh, and just really allowing those our New Mexico film supporters to kind of take a peek and, and know what we've been talking about this whole time because we've been talking about it for close to a year now. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and the actual films have been pretty under wraps. I mean, you see a little bit of those plots, a little bit of the, the scene when you're looking at the behind the scenes as they're, they're filming the, uh, the, the docuseries. But yeah, really opening that up has just been so exciting. And we're going to New York City in a couple of weeks with that yep. at the, the Soho Film Festival. Which, that'll be awesome, man. That's that's such a cool... I'm glad... And then there's another festival, too, I think, right? Like, there's something in L.A. coming up uh, down the road, I think. Yes. Holly Shorts. We're going to be at the TCL Chinese Theaters and in, I know, uh, in August. I'm trying to get um, Alejandro to... Uh, there's a Orlando Film Festival in October that he's looking at, um, hoping to get you guys down to my neck of the woods uh, at some point. Because um, I, you know... I, one of the, the problems with... I've been, I actually have been to a lot of film festivals this year. I got to go to South by and Tribeca in New York and our local Florida film festival. And um, I've seen all these great films and I, I keep telling people about them and like, well, how can I watch them? I'm like, okay, so right now you can't. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> but write it down. <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping to get you guys out here um, at, the, at the latest uh, next Florida film festival, which would be in April, but... 
uh, he found this Orlando Film Festival that we're just starting to look at the details, but um, okay. I'd love for that to happen because, you know, this is my, my area and I can definitely bring a crowd. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we want to shut it from the rooftop. We're, we're really excited. We feel like Robert was able to give us this, this new platform, like like he, he built for himself, but this new platform to say, yes, it's possible to a whole new generation of filmmakers. And we have that responsibility to really yeah. communicate that to a whole world of, of digital filmmakers like like your students you know to say yeah. yes it is possible there's a million different obstacles but it's just taking away those obstacles what don't i you don't you don't need what hollywood tells you you need for sure you know you don't need what you what you go to see in the in the cinema down the street you can still make a perfectly serviceable movie you can even make a very beautiful movie a movie that really moves people that 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 changes the arcs of of a, a a person's career, their their livelihood, their romantic involvement with somebody, with a smartphone in your backyard. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's and powerful stuff. I love that Robert chose to do a reality show and not make it like a competition. Every filmmaker gets the same opportunities. Every filmmaker is going to get to to show their film. Like no one was. It wasn't like the the best film gets to go to South by. All five filmmakers get to premiere their their movie. Like that to me is the best part of it. It's not like competition show it's literally like how is this done what's the process it's more like a documentary series than anything else and it, it's it's just a really cool if you're into movies if you like if you're ever been curious about the process of making a movie it's such a cool tv series um and the fact that you can watch it for free on the go 90 network or you know wait for it to show up on your tv providers at the el ray network it's it's awesome so it's cool that you get to be a part of that and honestly uh Alejandro doing an action comedy, which we won't—I won't spoil anything about the movie outside of that. But choosing an action comedy with a seven thousand dollar budget and seeing what you guys were able to pull off with that is insane to me. Like some of the special effects, the the humor in it, like I mean, and the chemistry between you and Kenneth, I thought was really great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the competition in Alejandro too. You know, really pushing pushing the envelope for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, adding value to himself because you know. When you work on larger budgeted projects, there is a tendency to just throw money at a problem. And when you're doing something smaller, you kind of want to stick to your strength, stick to what's safe, be conservative with choices. But if you, if you push that and say, no, I, I don't have to do it this way, let, let me see if I can make the best action comedies. Let me see if I can make a feature for very little money with you know, the, the comedic timing of, of actors we don't know. You know typically, mm-hmm. you, you, have to, you have to make a, a comedy with... Uh, you know, bankable names. Uh, an action movie requires a lot, a lot of money for all the different special effects, the practical ones, and the the ones that you're you're inserting in post production. But that was that was part of the challenge, part of the competition within the competition that Alejandro really wanted to bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, he definitely didn't write something that would be super easy in the premise. Like he could have done like an indie coffee drama, you know, where you guys just sit around and, and vent about your lives. And... Exactly. Yeah. It could have been a Noah Baumbach, you know, really, yeah. you know, strong dialogue, but very simple, basic set. And not to diss those. I love a lot of those films, but I mean, he, he pushed himself and still managed to create characters that had some depth. Like I, I, I really want to rewatch the film. Cause I've, you know, seeing a movie once is not always enough to retain everything, but um, my, my reaction to it, cause I went in, apprehensive um you know knowing very little at the time about what rebel without a crew was um and i i get i get screeners sent to me all the time that are you know sometimes good movies but a lot of times they're just things that i would have not even known existed had i not received an email 
and sometimes those are not easy to to sit through so i went in like okay give this a chance hopefully um it's it's at least something i can sit through and not feel like i have to turn it off or whatever and i don't i'm not trying to act like a snob or anything like that but monday blew me away with that because it, it doesn't look like a seven thousand dollar film um the performances don't feel like it's and it i mean even if you look at el mariachi while it's it's a masterpiece in some ways it's also you can see that it's a seven thousand dollar film and i don't feel that way when i watched monday which you know i think it speaks obviously to the technology because we have come a long way and at the very least in the way of cameras right because robert had to use the yeah. old school camera with film that was so loud that he couldn't use any of the audio that he recorded and had to do all overdubbing like i mean that alone has been a big unbelievable yeah huge time saver but nonetheless um and we and we had an audio problem with one of our scenes you know that we we, we really struggled to overcome doing an adr session at the last minute in january oh, you know, so that post production could continue that you know alejandro could could throw that into the mix and keep going man see yeah and that that's something my, my students we run into that problem all the time because a lot of times we're filming like w during our school day and so there's kids walking through the halls to go to their the bathroom or whatever and if they see a camera they're gonna jump in front of it you know like that's just the non-film <laughs> students reaction so they're constantly having to stop filming or there's background noise or something and they're always like and they're so afraid to adr I mean, we don't have like a great setup to ADR. We basically would be sitting next to the computer and just overdubbing right there. Rather, like we don't have a good soundproof booth or anything. But mm -hmm. um, still, like they're they're just so afraid of doing it. And I'm just like, that's what movies do, guys. I swear, like it's a real thing. <laughs> I'm not making it up. For yeah. You. But I was just I don't know where I heard this about uh, Scorsese. Right, he was saying that in every movie, and he still does this to this day. He has his lead actors like turning away from the camera or covering their mouths with a phone or something that he can insert in ADR bits of narration mm. that help with the story that he was not able to capture in production. Oh, wow. It's a fail-safe that he's, yeah, he's invented for himself. And I don't know. I'm, sounds like I, something I would, I would keep as a filmmaker. I would yeah, learn totally. From that. Well, that's, to me, like, making movies is all about solving problems anyways. Like, it's figuring out, like, okay, if this is impossible to do in yeah. real life, how do we do it to make it look like it's real? And, that, and then you get some just insane films as a result of people thinking like that and man that's one of the reasons right. I love they, always think, they always think that they're going to get the opportunity later where everything's in place to fix something that can be fixed now or can be curbed now and uh, we should try to address that now that we you know they don't have to worry about it. they don't have to pay money for it later uh, we can just work on ourselves as, as actors or dps directors you know we need to be, be the best that we can be with the limitations we have right now right today Mm -hmm. that's something that uh that that rebel without a crew and, and just robert you know just yeah having read that book the commentary it just it's, it's it's that inspiration to really keep working on yourself every day and not blaming anybody around you not blaming a system not blaming any obstacle that's in your way i, th I think this is a good time to ask you uh when did you first know that you wanted to be an actor well uh i i was always a ham i think i did uh I, in fourth grade, Santa's Gone Hip. Oh. I played Santa. Okay. That sounds like a fun play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really cute. Uh, I would do all the little little musicals and uh, I always did choir. I liked singing. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, when I when I went to high school and and being a part of these mostly military schools, they didn't really put a lot of emphasis on the arts. Oh yeah. Uh, they didn't. They didn't make me think that it was a viable career path. 
So I always had in the back of my mind, well, uh, what should I do? Something with math and science, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, engineering. Engineering. Putting stuff together. Figuring out how the world works. And that was like the broader idea. It always was. How does the world work? You know, uh, putting together computers, putting together robots. I didn't know a lot about it, but I had an interest in it. So I went to university to study engineering. And that was a total failure. That was a terrible <laughs> year. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you got you to gotta jump. You got to say, this is what I'm doing in order to realize that's not what you're doing at all. That's not what you're <laughs> meant to be doing at all. So I was knocking on a lot of doors that uh, it was Queen Mary College of the University of London. Oh, wow. I chose that because still, it was kind of like an in-state school for me because my parents were still in Germany and my mother's English. And I okay. spent three years in England previously and I wanted to kind of reconnect with my roots and it was just down the street from where she was born and grew up in Leytonstone. Oh, wow. So knocking on doors, I, I didn't know what, what I was going to do. And I had to, in England, uh, most of Europe, you kind of have to do what you're, what you're studying, your major, is all three years. There's no... You know, general education oh, okay. courses for two years here in the states. Oh. So, so I knew I was going to have to start over again. I, you know, I didn't know of other colleges or, you know, I, I was just knocking on doors, hoping someone could throw me a lifeline. And the day before, I went to uh, this. I went on this little field trip up to the mini factory in Oxfordshire. I knocked on the drama department, and I had scheduled an interview with them the following day. So in between, I'm going up to this mini factory and thinking, uh, I hope I hope that works. I, I should probably go to, on this this field trip because I'm still an engineering student for another month and it sounds like fun uh, and I, I had an epiphany at this factory uh, this factory worker I was the first one to get into this this area of the factory big hulking guy with you know safety goggles he turns around boom taps me in my hands I just raised my hands and he dropped this screw into my hand and everybody else is walking through just behind me like like he doesn't exist like I'm not just standing in the middle of everybody they're all passing around me like a crowd of salmon and I'm just thinking to myself about this screw and it doesn't mean the engineering thing that it should mean, bringing two pieces of metal together. To me, it means that I'm supposed to be bringing people together, bringing hearts together. It, it sounds sentimental, but it, it hit me like a lightning bolt. It was Man. an extraordinary epiphany for me. And I knew that the next day when I went back to Queen Mary and I interviewed for a department which I was totally unqualified, I didn't have A-levels, O-levels, nothing like that. I, I just had an interest in drama. I just knew I'd, I'd get it. I just knew they'd let me in. And I just poured my heart out the next day to Martin Welton, the, um, the head of the department, and they let me in. Wow, man. And I found my tribe. Everybody talked like me, thought like me. <laughs> I studied performance studies for three years. And then I wanted to really get a, a clearer, a more specific uh, understanding of where I could meet the business of acting. And so I'd been going to an acting coach briefly because I went to the, the Royal Court Theater. I studied playwriting for a minute mm -hmm. while, while I was at Queen Mary. Okay. met a really good group of guys there. And one of them was like, oh, if you are looking for like more mainstream understanding of, of acting, Stanislavski, approach, breaking down scripts, blah, 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 you should go to my acting coach. So I went to him for a while, uh, Putney Bridge. He's a guy that lives in uh, Los Angeles right now, uh, Paul Gregory. And he said, I can't recommend you any drama school other than the Stella Adler Studio of Acting in New York City because my, my previous client who just left me, she went to that school and I'm hearing really good things about it. So I... I applied for that and like maybe another school, but I, I just knew that I was going to get into that school, and I did. And my parents, by that time, had moved to New York. My dad was working at oh. West Point, and so I was commuting down. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? It's about like jumping. It's about making these connections, really seeing a path for yourself, ma making a mythology for yourself. I, I, I love that. And it's, it's really, I don't know, it's worked out for me in a lot of ways. 
you know, so I, so I did that for three years. I had an incredible time. I really understood things from the ground up, voice and speech, scene studies, Shakespeare. In the third year, we did production after production with these directors. They brought them, and we were being, we, we were doing these shows in-house, so we had a little bit of a safety net there, mm. and they were kind of, you know, with, in terms of casting and in terms of how these directors were working with us, and then we, ha- we would have, like, a voice and speech instructor, a dialect coach, movement coach, that kind of thing, to really work out what, what, what life would be like beyond the walls. In, a, in a, this safe environment that we were still in. Mm-hmm. Well, after that, I was in New York for another two years, just trying to figure out. I'm like, hey, I'm in New York. I've been here for three years. What the hell is the city like? I, I haven't gotten a chance to, <laughs> to really see the, you know, see see the business of this. Really been, I hadn't been auditioning because I've been in school, you know, nine to five for three years. I did the New York, uh, the New York Renaissance Fair one of the summers. Uh, oh. But besides that, I I didn't have a lot of experience with the, the business of acting in New York City. And I was auditioning, I was always working those two years, so that was good. But so many of the auditions I was going on and, and some, of, some of the plays I was doing were musicals. And I was like, I don't really know if this is me, this is why I got into all this. I was working at Second Stage Theater Company, uh, helping with, with subscriptions. And there was a bit of information we were giving over the phone saying like, you guys have to really be part of this community. The theater community in New York has flipped. 20 years ago, 80% of theater goers were from the metropolitan area, and 20% were tourists. And now it, it's flipped. 80% oh. are tourists, 20% are, are from the metro area, and that changes the programming. That's why you see all these, just like in film, right, you're seeing these huge blockbusters with increasingly few little dialogue because it translates better to tourists, yeah. people outside of the English-speaking world. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing uh, Off-Broadway being, being populated by celebrity after celebrity. You know, Daniel Craig was Iago at the yeah. New York Theater Workshop. Uh, yeah, Jeff Daniels was in Blackbird somewhere, MCC, MTC, one of those. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't see the upward mobility here. So my parents, in the meantime, had moved to New Mexico. Sorry, this is a long story, but... It's, no, it's all, not at all. It all adds up. Yeah. It does. Uh, my parents had moved to New Mexico, and I was visiting them on holidays. And I was like, God, it's gorgeous out here. Uh, you know, you can, just, you can just see forever. And that was so weird being in, in Manhattan, and you can't see in front of your face, you know, these skyscrapers. And, oh, it's just funny anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, big difference. such a breath of fresh air. Oh, my God. So beautiful. So dramatic. So natural. And there was a lot of film going on there. They actually call it Tamaliwood. Oh, Hollywood films there so often. Uh, they have big studios out there, Albuquerque Studios, I-25, Santa Fe Studios. Uh, they have some agents and casting directors, so I started hanging around. Uh, I started working with the Fusion Theater Company. They're the only equity playhouse in the entire state, and uh, I found them extremely welcoming. They were doing incredible work. Uh, I did a play, Hand to God, and I was interviewed by the New York Times. Oh, wow. For, a, for, a production, for that production, because uh, that, that play was one of, I think it was that, that season, that play, Hand to God, was the only straight American play on Broadway. And for those reasons, I left, and I was able to do that play regionally. So that, that was kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah. And then I started working my way within the film industry. And um, one of those first opportunities was auditioning for and uh, getting to work on the short film Monday with Alejandro. Man, did so are you leaning like towards film, or do you, do you want to stay on in theater? Like, Do you have a preference? I love the fact that actors are trained in the theater, mm-hmm. and I like when actors keep the theater in, in them. In their, it's when it, it, the theater is an actor's blood. It really shows you that an actor is an actor when they do do theater. Mm-hmm. But I do want to do increasingly more film. I, I love indie cinema, especially having worked with Alejandro and with, with this Rebel Project. I, I, I've seen indie cinema on Netflix 
Uh, um, you know, I've been following little little filmmaking teams here and there, but being in the mix and, and having it be such a collaborative art form is something I'm just I, I'm just really excited about pursuing. Uh, but I do keep theater in my life. I'm currently rehearsing a play, Slaughter City, with the Courage Theater Company. We're opening at the Lancashire Arts Center in NoHo. Oh, uh, here in here in uh, North Hollywood, uh, from mid June to mid July, 22, 22 June to uh, fourteen July. So if, nice. if any of your listeners are are in Los Angeles, say what you wish, and it's a really exciting play, real and an incredible theater company. They're very thoughtful. So man, that's um, one of the things I like to talk about with my my guest because you know I teach high school film, so my some of my kids are making decisions about college, um, and there's always a debate whether or not to go into film school or acting school, depending on you know what part of film they've really latched on to um it sounds like you you found a lot of benefit with taking acting classes would you recommend that for inspiring actors 100% you got to have a foundation for yourself and you also when you come to LA you can't let other people tell you how to act you can't let other people tell you what's right what's wrong because everybody's going to tell you something different mm. everybody's going to try to sell you on their book on their technique so you need to come here with your head straight that's um i've been watching i don't know if you uh watch HBO TV series but uh, Bill Hader has a show called Barry out right now where um, he's a hitman who finds that he has a passion for acting and it's oh. uh, a big part of it is him like in a theater troupe um, and it's it's great it's very funny like kind of dark uh, satirical comedy but um, and Bill Hader's playing it very straight actually which is one of the interesting things about the show he's so associated with comedic acting that he's huh. Kind of yeah, not, I love that guy. Yeah, it's it's great. Highly recommend it. Just it's eight episodes, all like sitcom length, like twenty two to thirty minutes. Um, just ended like a week ago. It's it's fantastic. Really recommend. Okay. Um, not to talk about other people's stuff, but uh, we don't. So I, I always send a lot of questions ahead of time because I I don't. My goal isn't to catch you off guard or like you know put you on the spot kind of thing. Um, and I also really just like to have a conversation, which that's how this whole episode started. It was unplanned. Let's talk about Monday uh, in great detail, but um, just a heads up, and this is behind the curtains, listener, but we may not get to all the questions because I don't like to keep you for too long, but I am going to try to hit some of these, uh, the ones that I'm like most intrigued by, but if there's anything that you were like, I want to tell you this, feel free to just jump into that because I totally want to hear um, like the story. You, you apologize for it, but I, that's what I want to hear, man. I love hearing like the passion that you have for the craft that you're, you're building because that's on my end, you know, people often will look at me and like, I can tell they've, they've heard enough about movies out of my mouth. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is literally all I have to talk about is like, (laughs) but, um, so yeah, I, I love hearing other people, uh, have passion for something. And, um, it sounds like you do. And that's, I, it shows in the, I haven't seen a lot of your work, mind you, I've only seen Monday, but, uh, it's, it's clear that you put a lot into the character and being, um, in the movie, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I enjoy the most is um, the process of it. You know, getting to know my fellow actors, getting to develop our characters together, and, and, that, and that's what I like about theater too. Is you really get the time to do that. You really get um, you get you get into the uh, you get into the detail of it, mm. the the grit of it. You know, you really get to get messy, get dirty sometimes when when you know that that is not what is 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 called for and eventually you know but in in film sometimes as an actor you have so little time you know to, yeah. to adjust to something or um you know but by, by the time like a lot of these these co-stars and guest stars you know and they're not you know co-stars and guest stars aren't sometimes a, a 
lot to, to work with anyway. But uh, you know, yeah. you audition for it, and you're you're filming in the next couple of days. Well, I mean, even um, it, but but that's why indie cinema, like you can expand that if yeah. that's what the director wants. Wants to treat it more as a theatrical experience. He wants to delve into the relationships a little bit more. You know, have have certain exercises that he wants, or he wants to tell the story in a in a nonlinear way. That's anti Hollywood, but fuck it. You know, this isn't going into uh, wide release. That kind of thing. It's, yeah, it gets me excited. And there's always, I mean, that's the thing too. Is like there's always that chance that you just hit you know gold. And it, while it wasn't intended to be wide release, it just clicks with audiences and people just see it. And um, I do think a lot of times those are those movies with those relationships where those characters mean something we care about their outcome and we just latch on um and while it doesn't have explosions or you know over the top special effects there's something so human about the movie that everybody just attaches to it i mean that even the the most successful blockbusters there's that personal level attachment to somebody in that movie that make people keep going back and seeing it again with the exception of Avatar and I still can't understand why that movie made so much money. It's your favorite movie and I'm going to get you a super special edition for your birthday. No. So. <laughs> and then I'm never invited back. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sever ties. <laughs> but uh, speaking of working with people though, um, is there a director or like actor that you would most like to uh, to work with or both? Well, it's funny, we were, we, were, we were talking about Noah Baumbach just br- just briefly yeah. about how those are very simple sets. You know, they're very mundane. But my, my brand, what I love, is taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary, mm. finding the magic within these ordinary moments and not, not necessarily like the Steven Spielberg way of, well, like making of it magical. you know, ordinary kids. Yeah, and then an alien or, uh, yeah. you know, an alternate <laughs> with, uh, with Hook or something that gets spirited away to never, never, you know. It's, it's more about, like, like in a Noah Baumbach film where they, they, they talk in dialogue, it's a, it's, a little, it's a little much, it's a little heightened sometimes, it's a little mm-hmm. powerful, it's a little, little rhythmic. It, and it, it captures more of the, that, that ordinary speech or that ordinary scenario that, that we, we encountered once, mm-hmm. but it just it, it ratchets it up a notch. And I, I love shit like that. And you get to focus a little bit more on the performances, a little bit more character-based and plot-based. That's that's a director I'd love to be able to work with. For sure. I mean, you look at, too, like Greta Gerwig, who just did Lady Bird, who <sighs> worked with Noah Baumbach on a couple of films beforehand, and then uh, Wes Anderson and Baumbach have worked together several times, and they all have that similar, very dialogue, very character-heavy movies, a lot of times mundane scenarios. I mean, Lady Bird could be less fantastic than it is, but, man, what a, what a story, what characters and... God, I've I've not forgotten a moment from that movie since I saw it, and had to see it two other times in the theater, totaling <laughs> three just in the theater. But um, yeah, I I agree. Did you uh, did you catch the Meyerowitz um, prod the Meyerowitz stories? Excuse me. On Netflix, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On oh, Justin Hoffman. Oh He's yeah. Been my idol for forever. So I'm actually gonna gonna get to see The Graduate on the big screen next next oh, Saturday. Man. That's awesome. At the Ace Hotel. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's a movie Corey has yeah. not seen yet, and it's on her uh, her gap list. I'm trying to get her to oh. remedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that hurts me. You have to see this movie. Yeah. I know. I want to see it when they re-screen it again. But... Yeah, well, she she just yeah. watched Wayne's World 2, and I pointed out to her that she saw a parodied version of the ending of, of The Graduate. But 
<laughs> I wish you wouldn't have told me you that. Know. So when I watched The Graduate, I, it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, I realized after I told you that you would never have known that if I hadn't pointed it out, and I was like, yeah. oops, that's kind of Way a spoiler, but it's your fault. It's 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 an old movie, Corey. It's, it's an old movie. You it can is, see. but there are too many movies. Like we can't see every movie ever made, so we have to oh. keep these lists that Challenge never accepted. end. Challenge accepted. Okay, because there are new ones being made every day. To be fair, I've seen almost all of the new ones. At least start, at least start working your way down the AFI, and and yeah. then see and then see what's up. I guess. Word. Yeah, and that's we do another podcast called Movie Club where we uh we both pick a movie every other week that one of us has never seen. We just went through like Paul Thomas Anderson's films that we hadn't seen, which for me is still too many. Right. Um, I've not seen, but it's a it's a basically a challenge to each other to try to expand our our movie watching. Um, and to mark things yeah. off the list. Phantom Thread. Oh yeah, Love yeah. Love Phantom Thread. Yeah. yeah. We just so watched um, his first film, Hard Eight, this past week. Uh, mm. Yeah, good good movie, but not definitely. Uh, you see, like the seeds of who he'll be as a filmmaker, like his long takes that he loves. Like you see those even in this early film, but it's plot wise is definitely very weak but it's also his shortest movie that i've seen so far it's only like an hour and 45 minutes i feel like he probably didn't get to make the original script he probably had to trim a bunch of stuff out in order to make budget or something but um yeah it's still still great like overall but it definitely compared to like we watch boogie nights um inherent vice and uh magnolia this month and i mean we ended on the weakest for sure but it's still a good movie mind you um, speaking now of, there will, say, uh, there will be blood again on, on oh. uh, at the big screen. Oh, I need to see. That I forgot how great screen. that movie was. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's that's got to be in my top ten. It's not in my top five. I think it's in my top ten though. Yeah, I, that movie's fantastic. I mean, one. just that scene about the milkshake alone um, is insane. <laughs> and I have my daughter is uh, starting high yeah. school um, this coming year and uh, making me feel sad and old at the same time and uh i'm challenging her because she's she's been my little film watching buddy for a couple of years now so I'm, i've got her watching 30 movies over her summer vacation that basically oh, are from nice. like my 90s like high school experience so, like fight club the matrix seven like a bunch of things that she somehow have not seen to this day so uh she's up for the challenge how old, how old did you say she was She's I know. 14. I was like, seven. yeah, Ooh. she's fourteen. I'm pushing some uh, some boundaries, uh, but <laughs> I feel like we watched those movies much I younger did. than that. I was She'll like twelve when I saw Seven, so I'm st- I just... I have not watched yeah. Seven since I was twelve, mind you, and I still remember like every detail of that movie because of how shocked I was to watch it. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm hoping to rewatch that one with her, actually. But yeah, I I know, but. I'm a Fincher fan, so I I had to squeeze both Fight Club and Seven into her thirty movies. Um, it was hard not to put Social Network and uh, and Zodiac on that list, but I was trying to keep it. It's predominantly '90s movies, so I was trying to keep like a theme going. But nice. that's awesome. Um, is there a franchise, Jamie, that you would like to be a part of? Like, if you could be, uh, maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think of a superhero, Plastic Man, in the DC movies. Maybe they'll bring in Plastic somebody. Man less uh less dark and brooding in the dc universe we need a little light in that side or uh marvel or star wars which seems to just be pumping out the movies every year now or avatar i don't i don't i don't don't watch franchise movies i Ah. i know that sounds snobby but i i go and see them 
only to know what the hell everybody's talking about. Even, even this is going to sound sacrilege, but even Lord of the Rings, I'm like, okay, looks pretty. That's about it. Oh, it's, no. Lord uh, of the Rings is a little long-winded, I gotta say. Like, I enjoyed them the first time. Yeah. Every time I've tried to rewatch them, I'm like, you know what? I get it. I'm done. I think that they're just so good on the big screen. Mm. I feel like they're just some movies that they're so okay. great in well, the theater, but then... Yeah. That's true of Avatar. I could, see, I could see being in, like, like if Christopher Nolan kept making the Batman movies. Mm. Yeah. So, like, if, you know, be, if we get, like... Villain, I mean, those... Heath Ledger, Tom Hardy, yeah, ah, you know? uh, Liam Neeson, yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. So if we can get an art house style director back into one of these movies, you're in. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> there it is. That's you know, I mean, honestly, that's the downside because they they have been doing that with um, I mean, not quite there with like Marvel. But, like, uh, even Kong Skull Island, the director, uh, Jordan Voight Roberts, I think is his name, um, He would, his first movie was, like, uh, The Kings of Summer, I believe, which is, like, super indie, you know, drama with uh, the, the kid whose name I'm not going to remember now, but Nick Offerman plays the dad, like, it's very, and Nick Offerman loves doing oh. the indie films, and, yeah. and I love Nick that's Offerman. been a trend, man, like, you, you get the art house movie that does well, and then they pull you into a franchise, and then a lot of the franchises don't do well, and it's not because of the director, I mean, the director... He's still trying to do his thing, but, you know, I mean, look at uh, Ryan Coogler and Black Panther this year. You know, Coogler's first film, Fruitvale Station, is a super indie, amazing movie. And then Creed is even a blockbuster, really. And Creed was fantastic. And then here comes Black Panther, huge blockbuster. We have great character work, but the special effects in Black Panther, especially the end fight, get a little choppy by comparison to, like, if you look at Infinity War... Um, where you have the Russo brothers who'd already done Civil War and Winter Soldier, um, you see that difference. And same thing, Taika Waititi, you know, directed uh, Thor Ragnarok, but did Punt for the Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows beforehand and a few other indie films. And then he comes to Ragnarok, brings that character sensibility. I think you get the best version of Thor we've had. Yet yeah. the, spe- the special effects are super weak uh, by comparison, again, to the other Marvel movies. And it's not the budget. It's, it's I think, the director not maybe knowing how to do the special effects or yeah i i don't know i i I don't really know how to interpret what a director is doing with these these i agree these tentpole movies you know i mean i'm sure there's like the same team really that's going in terms of special effects i would think maybe even like 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 the guys that are on set that are looking at the different camera angles and helping him you know see oh this is gonna work best because this worked uh, great in Thor one. We tried that in Thor two. Didn't really work out. So yeah, we'll go back to what we did in Thor one for Thor three. And you have to have the camera. This these types of angles and fight scenes can be choreographed. Oh, we have the choreo- choreographer from Avengers one. And you know, I feel like they keep bringing in the people that are that are doing the good work. And the yeah. director's kind of there. Just I don't know. I don't really know what his contribution even could be on some of these films. His hands seem to be tied in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I agree completely. I just the only thing I can think of as to why the special effects look worse on a film like Thor Ragnarok and, and Black Panther has to be something somewhere maybe the director pushing that off is like not as important maybe with scheduling of the budget somehow I mean I would imagine with a big tentpole in a Marvel movie especially that they don't have complete control over the budgeting anyways um I have no idea obviously I'm not one of the directors working for a Marvel movie but I I loved Hunt for Hunt for the Wilder People it's it's one of my favorite movies from that year 
Um, and so I, and I, everything Tyke has done, I've, and again, I love Ragnarok, but the opening special effects and the fights at the end, the special effects, they don't look as good as the other Marvel movies. And I, I don't, the only thing that seems different to me is a new director to that tentpole of a movie, you know? But I agree with completely with what you're saying. I don't know what control he would really have. He's not directing the CG per se, you know, like they have the visual effects crews doing that, but I don't know. It's it's noticeable. Um, I've I've most people's minimal complaints I've heard from both Pan- Black Panther and from Thor Ragnarok have been about the CG, and it, it doesn't make sense because I know they're as big a budget as all the other Marvel films, you know. Yeah. Well, and also from like a marketing standpoint, you want to you want to keep with the same product, but you're always kind of pushing it in a, yeah. a direction. So maybe if they're like they're just experimenting with different types of fight choreography and special effects and scenes and 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 the, the way that the different camera operators are moving and the way that the direction of, of those camera operators and the types of lens, you know, maybe they're, they're trying to push it forward as cautiously as possible because they're like, this is a winning formula, but it needs to continue to be more exciting. But what does more exciting mean in terms of a big fight scene at the end? How do we make it that more exciting? And so they're experimenting and maybe they experiment a little bit with some of the, the franchises within the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they feel they can take that risk and then yeah. maybe those experiments... I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I'm no, not but a, a I like the, guy. I like the hypothesis. Um, <laughs> I'm trying here. <laughs> I think this is a good question to, to lead into from that, too, is um, do you ever see yourself being behind the camera instead of acting, maybe directing, or uh, do you want to write or be a DP? 100%. Like, 100%. I, I'm, I'm always writing. Uh, I, I put up a play when I was in New York and... That was a really cool experience, just like producing it and directing it. You know, I, oh, wasn't, I wasn't in it. Well, and I and I wrote it obviously, but we we edited it. It was a very collaborative um, experience. Uh, translating that to film, I I am super inspired again by the Rebel Without a Crew. Being in the mix was something that was totally different from just reading the book or listening to the commentary on the on the DVD. You know, you're you're in it. You see how possible it is, and you see the amount of control that we we do and don't have. But more more importantly, how much control we do have over vertically integrating our careers, especially as an actor. We're auditioning, 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 and then we try to get together, and we're increasingly trying to get together to make things for video, be it a web mm. series on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram. And so I've been putting together these little videos on Instagram. They're just sixty second videos. I have ten of them, so that's a series. Okay. Now. Uh, but I, I keep trying to push the way that I'm using the camera, and now I'm writing a feature film that I'm trying to help. Oh. I'm trying to produce it, and I'm trying to act in it. Nice. Because I don't, I don't want to direct it. I don't want to overstretch myself. I don't want to devalue what a director does. I, I want to learn more and more about what a director does. And I don't want to split my focus either. I just want to, I want to create this project and uh, act in it and help with the writing, kind of make that at a collaborative event. I have a, a skeletal script, and I, I want to do it for $7,000 in 14 shooting days because I think that's a winning formula. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked uh, for Rebel Without a Crew and obviously for Robert Rodriguez, who's had an insane career after El Mariachi. Um, well, man, I I hope... Uh, I'm going to have to check out your Vimeo stuff, and I would definitely like to see what comes of this feature film. Um and it, but you're not done acting. Like if if acting jobs come your way, you're that's still where you find a lot of joy. No, that's and my a lot career as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so 
people who were like, oh, I might cast this guy. Don't stop. Keep casting him. Um, <laughs> you know, don't. He's gonna write, but he still wants to act first. Um, with that, uh, Jamie, I think now is a good time to lead into your top five all-time favorite movies. Uh, before we do that, we like to do a spoiler warning for our listeners because we want to give you free reign to say whatever you want about the movies that you're going to talk about. So, Corey? Guys, you can go to BerkReviews.com and check out Jamie's top five list. Otherwise, we'll steam ahead. Spoilers. You've been warned. So, uh, listeners, if you're not familiar, um, we do top five lists. Usually, when we do our top five podcasts, it's me, Corey, and Mike, and we are doing a specific topic Um for our interview episodes we do all time so our guest is going to tell us their top five movies going from five to one and um that's kind of the gist of it i don't think there's much ex- other explanation so jamie uh we're gonna start with your number five what do you got drum roll please oh man dude the first time i saw this movie i it was like a punch in the gut like the especially the ending uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. Why is this on your top five? I know. I <laughs> I do look at it as it as an illusion, right? Like like we're we're this character. We're in this insane asylum. We're we're trying to we're trying to hack the system in a lot of ways, but we're trying to live. God damn it! You know we're trying mm-hmm. we're trying to to we're, we're such passionate creatures. We're these these animals that that need to exist in the wild and we keep getting boxed in and we have these human oppressors that, that we, we, we try to get the gang together. We try to form these collectives and we just keep getting broken down. But it's, it's not a pessimistic look on all of this. It's very much like you got to appreciate the struggle. And you know, we have a spoiler alert, you know, we have, um, yeah, we have the, that, that drinking fountain gets smashed through the window. Yeah. You know, and, the, and our, uh, our native American fella leaping out into the night. And I love that. I love oh, yeah. that there's like that there is that will that you know that that Jack Nicholson's character he couldn't do it and he turns he turns to everybody because they they bet him that he can't do it he can't move this drinking fountain it's 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 mired into the ground it has pipes and all sorts of shit yeah. and he's gonna try try to do it but he, he knows he can't do it but he tries and he walks away and he's like at least I did at least I tried and there's something to that that's that's at the heart of that film yeah and Jack yeah, Nicholson totally. is a performer he's just oh. he's one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, and that that particular performance, man, it's so tough. There's so many moments in that film that are just like burned into my brain forever, and the ending, especially with with before the water fountain event, which I think I'll. I mean, we have spoiler warning, but like the whole Jack, him losing who he was, and then oh, the pillow, man, it just it's yeah. you when it's over, you just kind of sit there silent and just think back on the film, and it's. Definitely a classic, um, and obviously a, a lot of people. Uh, I think Corey, you read the book, right? I love the book. Uh, I am notoriously not a reader, <laughs> so I read the book first, and then I watched the movie, mm. and I just felt like they left out some important things. Well, which yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, when I do that, I'm. I don't know. I feel like it. I've only read like two books. I think where the movie's actually been better, so I don't know why I do that to myself, but. <laughs> A lot of people do that. I mean, that's a staple statement, right? The book is better, but the book allows for uh, different perspectives to be explored. I mean, if we but were But if you like movies a lot, yeah, it just makes... Or if you don't like reading, either way, you know? Word. <laughs> then you're just fine. You're just blissfully unaware. But you like the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. No, not really. John, I told you that, and I Corey, thought you were going to... No. 
Throw me away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I forgot. Or I didn't. Yeah. Who knows? Oh. No, <laughs> you did this on purpose. No, I'm kidding. I don't know, actually. But I actually, I, I don't think I remembered that you didn't like Because I, I can see you liking the book more, but still appreciating so many great things in the movie. I mean, Jack Nicholson's performance at the very least. He's great. And I forget the name of the nurse, um, but the actress that played her did a great oh, yeah. job. Oh, yeah. So the, I'm not saying anything about the performances at all. I just, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get to let's get to Jamie's number four. Okay. Let's let's <laughs> save Corey's uh, a little bit of face here. Jamie, yeah. what is your number four? Midnight Cowboy. Mm. Everybody's talking at me. Hold on. Who's in that one? Is that Dustin Hoffman, John Voight? Yep. <sighs> okay. This is on my uh, it's on my gap list, Jamie. <laughs> I, I need to watch this movie. Um, Oof. Yeah, I know. It's one of several uh, that you're. I'm, I'm so afraid of these lists because sometimes I've seen all five, <laughs> and other times yeah. I get stumped and I look like an idiot. Um, so this is uh, I'm one of one of two so far. So, I haven't seen this one either. But, so oh, I had so, to ask oh, you guys because I grew my mother loved John Travolta and all I was remembering yeah. was Cowboy and That's, I was thinking Urban I think Cowboy. Urban Cowboy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so very, definitely yeah. fired. No. Well, it's it's a similar period, right? Like a cowboy in the city, and mm-hmm. he's he's using his charm. He's trying to you know hook up with rich women. He thinks he thinks that's his meal ticket. You know, out of out of uh, he has a poor existence. A lot of you know, there's this whole backstory to it that you see in these flashes. And and the way that that story is told is really interesting. You know, he takes off from Texas and he's going to the big city, going to New York and he's making his fortune. It's like the immigrant story in a lot of ways, but he's so cocky. Is that that ego to him? Because he's mm. this big hunk of meat, you know, that women are just going to fall over. Because New York has all these queers in it, you know. That's that's his whole thing. Oh man! And then he runs into Dustin Hoffman's character, and he's a down and out. You know, he's his, his dad. His his dad died. Um, uh, clean, you know, buffing up people, you know, rich people's shoes. You know, he got the oh man the, that black stuff in his lungs. You know, and and Dustin Hoffman's character is just he's he's wheezing. He's he's crippled, and he's the the street smart guy that's still. He's just not smart enough, unfortunately, you know, and he, he tries to help out, he tries to help out John, and it, it just doesn't go well, you know, and they're, they're thinking, maybe Florida, maybe that's where it is, maybe, maybe that's the sunshine and coconut milk. Oh, and man. Well, spoiler alert, you know, well, you guys haven't seen it. It's but okay. But it's, <laughs> the way the story is told as well, like in these, the, the reverberations of the past, and the way you're seeing a lot of the commercialism of Times Square, you keep hearing... Uh, commercials and seeing these flickering lights, you know, gold, money, success. And it's all the stuff they're chasing, all the stuff that that era was chasing mm-hmm. that they just, they just can't get their hands on, you know? So they experiment with drugs and, you know, the Man. sexual component of, uh, you know, what this, uh, the, the, the swing in 60s, this is in the 70s, but like the 70s is a lot about like the consequences of, of action. Of the 60s, yeah. Yeah, of, of, of living it up, of thinking you were you were getting to where you were going, man. So it's uh, you got you got to watch it. Yeah, you, watch it. You, you just sold me. No, for real. Like I, oh, I think I've this known... will fit into next month's. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully it will. Um, because I gotta say, I've known about this movie, but I don't think I've heard anyone really talk about it, and uh, that's why I haven't made an effort to see it. Because I like the Graduate's one that I'd always heard so many people like. If you look on any list. People are constantly saying, you got to watch The Graduate. There's so many things about The Graduate. So I made sure to get that off my gap list a long time ago. But 
and a long time ago it was like three years ago but still um this is a film that i need to uh to really go to and um i i am now convinced jamie so good job selling uh, a, a film that probably didn't need to be sold but nonetheless <laughs> it helps to hear someone like really like talk about it again and like express why yeah, i should yeah. spend my time on this um i wish we had something to add to it but we don't so we're just gonna have to move to your number three and hopefully this won't embarrass us like the last <laughs> oh no <laughs> The Graduate can't embarrass you, can it? It can't embarrass me, but it sure should embarrass Corey. <laughs> Bye, guys. That's okay, Corey. We forgive you. You're gonna That's catch good. up on all this. Yes. Yes. I've already been watching so many movies this summer. Yeah, she's been. She's uh. She's going back to college right now herself. Um. So she's she's Wait, on her vacation. You, you are the graduate, Corey. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It feels like it's never going to end, but I have had this one on my list for a long time and you know, it just keeps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Like it, man. Uh, but Jamie, uh, why is it that you're number three? It's number three because there's there's still two more movies. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. number it's number three. And actually, I wish we were on a, a video Skype because I have a shirt from oh. last year working at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. Oh man, and that was the big film at the Chinese. So they put it on our staff shirt. Dude, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And so this is I wear it at night the, now. <laughs> the second Dustin Hoffman film on yes. your list. Well, tremendous. it is. <laughs> it is no coincidence. Uh, I love The Graduate. It just talks about that that period as well. I, I think it kind of leads into the Midnight Cowboy era. Of, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it was in the late 60s, so well written, directed by Mike Nichols. Yeah. And it's the story, you, you just see it right from the opening scene on the oh. airplane, now descending into LAX. And he's on that little, the escalator. It doesn't even mm-hmm. go, it's not even the, the stairs escalator going up or down, it's just, it's flat. Yep. And he's just moving along. That's Moving shy. along to... to the sound of silence oh. and that that just tells you the whole movie but it's not it's not a passive status quo it's not a passive i don't know what i'm going to do it's just it's very active i don't know what i want to do i i need to figure this out and you guys yelling at my parents having this party and all these adults plastic it, it's not it's not in it's not telling me it's not informing me of what my life needs to be it needs to be different but how how can i how can i move forward and everything everybody talks to him about is in the past these are my you know and bancroft and and her husband the husband used to work with the dad you know mm-hmm. dustin hoffman's character's dad you know uh this is this is how the um their that that couple's daughter this is how she's grown up don't you remember her all all, all your friends back home on the west coast are you going to go to graduate school because you remember what you didn't in in your uh in college it's going to inform what you're going to do in the future yeah but like let's talk about this more specifically I, I, it's such a it's an allusion to life yeah where some of these other films are a little bit more you know talking about very specific periods of time this is such a just coming up with your own identity really building that up brick by brick and looking around for people that that you can model yourself after or or looking around for for an, another heartbeat, you know. I, I yeah. feel like he's a zombie from going through all these years of school. What has he turned into? This this person that he can't think for himself, he can't act for himself. He just regurgitates information, and he knows he doesn't want to keep doing that. But what does he want to do? Yeah. So that's why he 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 reaches out for these relationships when people start actually talking to him, start relating to him on a more visceral level. 
Yeah. I don't know. I could talk about the graduate forever. Dude, I mean, we even probably move on. <laughs> the, well, the last shot too of like them them smiling and then not smiling, like as if I finally decided to do something. But holy crap, is it the right thing? Like that, still that fear, that hesitation. Just, uh, it's such a brilliant movie. Um, it's there's still that fear. I, I feel like I, I don't know if Mike Nichols said it or other people have construed it as being like a negative thing. Like, oh, but he he jumps from this and then he doesn't know about that and then there's this and and now what? You know, now he's he's actually thinking about it. The realization is sinking in. But I always looked at it as a very much more optimistic thing. Like, yes, that's the heat of the moment. It's just like a marriage, right? Like you're so passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you move in together. You get married so happy everybody's around you you have a honeymoon and then you go back to reality it doesn't mean that oh now it's not so exciting now the passion's gone now i guess i, I divorce you now now we don't exist anymore no it's, yeah it's the moving forward and he gets to have that real life because wow. he has that real connection that is a really optimistic interpretation of that final scene i like that um i'll have to point that out to my students because that's i love hearing different takes on on things like that because it is it's one of the best parts of that movie it, it isn't like he doesn't spell it out for us. It is up to us to decide what's next. And it's, uh, man, uh, definitely a well-deserved film to be in a top five list of anyone's list. Um, for sure. So I think, I think you're right though. Cause we could probably just do a whole hour long episode on the graduate. So let's go to your yeah. number two. Uh, now two is another, another Dustin Hoffman movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. To say. It's awesome. Is it Kramer Tootsie. versus Kramer? Oh, Tootsie. Oh, well, I, I, I think it's on my list. It's almost the perfect movie. It's two. <laughs> it's so well written. It's so well performed. It, it has drama. It has comedy. It's outrageously funny. But it's so, uh, so heartwarming and so heartbreaking in some of these scenes. You know, yeah. with a single mother... Um, with the with the actor's struggle, which obviously I, I identify with, with trying to make something out of yourself, trying to take away obstacles, like you know, Rebel Without a Crew, you're mm. you're doing whatever it takes. You're always keeping keeping active in that world to, to to the point where it starts to change your identity, you know. And he does lose sight of that. He, he goes off the rails certain times, you know, and he hurts people. Mm-hmm. But he comes back to himself, and he realizes all these parts of himself that he found through becoming so totally another person and, and that's the redemptive quality of the entire movie yeah i i will i will have to admit because i could have easily just not have said this because of the way we jumped into it but it's literally sitting in a box to my left right now on my watch list for this summer it's one of uh, several movies in this box that i'm going to be watching this summer and uh yeah. one that i'm super excited to get to watch and Man, Dustin Hoffman clearly. Uh, would you say favorite actor? <laughs> I know, uh, but I'm not going to apologize for it. No way. No, he's great. We just watched Kramer versus Kramer about, a, I think, two months ago, um, for the Movie Club podcast, and that was nice. both of our first time seeing it. And oh my god, like that movie was just so so tough to watch at times because it is like emotionally gripping, but. Man, what a performance he gives in that movie. And um, unfortunately, I've heard yeah. Meryl Streep's kind of complained about him on set, like him being mean to her and kind of cruel to her, like almost uh, method-style acting on that. Um, but, man, uh, both of them just give such tremendous performances in that movie, even though, you know, very tough subject matter. But, um, yeah, just he he's yeah. continued to impress me. Because, you know, I'm thinking back as a kid. I mean, I think I, I saw Rain Man in the theater when I was super young, um, like when it came out with my mom. Because my mom would take me to movies. just didn't matter what it was. 
Um, like I saw The Fly, like Cronenberg's The Fly, in the yeah. theater when I was like seven yeah. or something like that. So, uh, which that movie's haunting, but um, Hoffman. Well, seven. An experience like that, it's gonna it's gonna be haunting to a seven year old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I, I have no, I definitely don't fault you if Hoffman is your favorite actor, but. Um, it is interesting that um, now I'm, I'm very curious if your number one is going to be another Hoffman movie. Is it Hook by chance? Or uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, what is uh, number one, Jamie? My, my number one is Jerry Maguire. Oh, wow. That's uh, kind of... Uh, 1996, uh, totally Cameron Crowe. Yeah, man, that's the newest film on your list for sure. Um, and It is. And, and I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with Tootsie, right? Okay. Because... There's like there's a there's a comedic element to it. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, definitely sure. like these these hilarious moments with Cuba Gooding Jr. Very lively performances with him and, and Jerry. That's that's where the blood's really pumping. But it's so well written. It's so tight, and it talks about like actually a couple of these films. It talks about really reinventing yourself, like figuring out who you actually are instead of society telling you who you are. But it tells it in a very interesting way, in a way that's very, um, it's very thoughtful. Like, like you have to t- take a moment out, and some people take that moment right after they graduate college, uh, while they're in the thick of a, of an industry that's not serving them. And in this case, you know, it's it's a legal profession, or you know, he's working as a, a sports agent, mm-hmm. and there's something that's that's been nagging at him, something that's been getting him just right to the core, so much so that he has this epiphany, and he has to proclaim the fact it's not a business and, and we're not going to make money by by doubling down on that fact we're not just like with um with the graduate we're not going to double down by the fact that you know we, we have to go on to a to a graduate school that all these four years have been leading up to meet like a pre-med or pre-law or yeah. uh midnight midnight mm-hmm. cowboy you know where it's like i i have to make this work now that i'm in new york and i i told you know fuck you to the, the dishwashing team Back in Texas, or what's over the cuckoo's nest? You know, when you're when you're in that new environment, you're you're struggling to say to maybe fly under the radar for a while and then say, but no, this is this is not how the world should work. This is not how I feel. And Jerry Maguire does that so artfully with with music, with incredible actors and performances. Such an energy to it. It's such a pristine movie. There's Man, that's something about it. That's really cool. Like, because like the other the your middle three, actually all your first four here. Are I think you could find on almost any list of like films people should watch. Even Tootsie. Um, well, I think because it's com- it's a comedy. I think comedies get a lot of uh, disrespect from like critical audiences. Um, yeah. Which I think is a mistake. I think comedy is because I I think I'm funny, right? Like I won't. I don't think I'm a good comic writer though. I feel like writing comedy is the hardest thing in the world, and people who do it well don't get enough credit and so like tootsie probably doesn't get the respect it, it deserves but jerry Maguire on this list is it's kind of inspiring i think because it could have you could have easily pulled another you know classic big film but this is a film that i think uh general audiences love and i think maybe doesn't get the attention it deserves critically um in that way like or looked at as this serious work and i am a tom cruise fan um i think Corey is the opposite on that end uh, I, I, I think he's a good actor, but I also think he's crazy. I feel like those are both valid points. I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive points either. So like, yeah. you know. so it's, I, I, you know, I don't hunt out a movie because I'm not like, oh my God, Tom Cruise is in this. I need to watch it. 
but I think that he's been really good. I watched yeah. Vanilla Sky for the first time. This oh my year. god, I love that movie Ooh, so much. Oh yeah. So I I don't think that he's not a good actor, but you know yeah. he's just not one of those things that's gonna pull me in. But I also I feel like this movie kind of it was really popular when it came out, and then mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people have forgotten about it. Yeah, except for fans, like there are those yeah. people like Jamie, um, who who advocate for this film, and there's definitely still like those scenes though, like you can. You could put in any movie, and people will still recognize what you're referencing. Like if you do, show me show the something. Me the money. Exactly, oh, yeah. you're gonna know that. Or even the um, <laughs> uh, the classic line of like, um, you, you had me a hello. hello. Yeah, exactly. Man, um, those those scenes are too iconic that you put that in anything right now, people will know you're talking about Jerry Maguire, which is not true of other films that are that do really well when they come out. And then are quickly forgotten. Avatar. <clears throat> um, excuse me. I'm supposed to cough while I say that. John's favorite movie. So, uh, yeah, but man, uh, that's Jamie's top five, everybody. And Jamie, you've been um, an excellent guest. And I got to say, I love hearing your passion for film. Um, it just it, it mirrors my own and it makes my heart big inside because I, I work, as I noted many times at, at a high school. But when I when I started at this school, we didn't have an art class. Um, we had a TV production program, which was just, basically they read the announcements on TV. And when my principal came in, uh, I had been there for about a year before my principal, my current principal came in. She immediately got an art teacher. Um, she put me in the TV production class. And over the last uh, six years, I've turned it from TV production to film. Um, and we have an IB film program, which is a different teacher, but she's outstanding. Um, I, I want to say I'm outstanding, but, you know, I don't want to be airing wow. it. But it just um, <laughs> see, I'm sure she says that about you. She, dude, she is my biggest advocate. Like when I started doing the Burke reviews thing, um, she, yeah. I, I told her because I'm like I was actually going for my masters at the time, so I was doing that and doing the Burke reviews thing. Which when I started this, I uh, challenged myself to watch 365 movies in 365 days. So I wanted my boss to know that Ooh. I was going to be giving a lot of time to not work. You know, like I'm going to be going for my masters at night. And I'm also going to be watching a movie every day and writing a review for every single one of them. Are you okay if I do this? And she was like, yeah, that's amazing. And I argued, like, too, before she asked me to, that I want to, if I want to teach film, I need to be better at it. I need to know more about it. And I need to push myself to, like, branch out of my comfort zone, you know, because I had my taste. I needed to expand my taste. And I've done that tremendously over the last three years, which is why I still have gaps, though, like, why I haven't seen, um, Midnight Cowboy or Tootsie, uh, because I'm still expanding my taste. I was in a very you know set style of movie in my teenage years, and I've since broken out of that. Um, but th- you know that's what I try to instill in my students: is find something you, that means so much to you that you could annoy the crap out of other people by talking about it. And uh, <laughs> and that's, that's me with it, movies. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like. You just love it. Um, and I have to say, too, um, while we were recording, Alejandro messaged me on Instagram yeah. and told me to tell you hello. So I feel obligated to do Aww. that. <laughs> um, but, uh, Jamie, I, I just want to thank you for your time, man. It's been a great episode. Um, it's been really great getting to know you and talking to you a little bit more. Um, I, I think the thing I want to end on, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but Alejandro posted this on Instagram. So it's public information. <gasps> yes. He posted Tuesday. In the same font style as Monday. <laughs> yeah, I saw that today or yesterday. <laughs> I know. So I, I hope uh, it looks like he's trying for a sequel. Are you in if it happens? It looks like it. Oh, well, I have to check my uh, 
I'll check my calendar, but yes. uh, <laughs> I, I think it's free. Yeah, I think I'm down to work with this guy again. Dude, I gotta say, man, like I we've got to interview some really cool directors um, over the last six months that we've been doing these interviews. Like we we uh, met director jordan brady who's done mainly documentaries but he does a lot of commercial work and he's a stand-up comedian back in the 90s he came up with the bounce uh, wow wow he had this whole bit on porn music and so that like whenever you anyone ever goes bounce wow wow that was a bit from the early 90s that jordan brady did um we interviewed uh chris peckover who did a, a horror film called better watch out it's a awesome comedic horror film from like it's a christmas themed comedic horror film it's amazing and, I wanted uh, to watch that today, and I felt like it was a little too early. <laughs> it's not quite Christmas yet. It will be yeah. a staple for me at Christmas time, though. Um, and then Tom E. Brown, who did uh, uh, Pushing Dead with James Roday, which I cannot recommend that movie enough. It's billed as an AIDS comedy, and that's all I'll say about it. It's on iTunes and Amazon now, so uh, if you get a chance to check out Pushing Dead, okay, I highly recommend yeah. it. Um, and then Alejandro, man, who is um, I've I've stayed in contact with Alejandro since I met him, and I I just see uh, so much potential in that guy, and the same passion I see now with you. Just like it's no wonder that Monday came out like it did, because you guys are clearly serious about what you're doing. Like you take your craft seriously, you put the work in, you've done the film studies, you you know this art, and you are putting out that that product. And I I can't wait to see. I hope Tuesday happens. Um, I will be yeah, one of the yeah. first ones I get to review, I hope. so. Definitely. Hey, well, thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you having me on. And you too, Corey. It was great great getting to talk to you guys. It's nice talking to you. And just before you go, is there um, should people follow you anywhere on social media or anything like that? Sure thing. Yeah, uh, I have a page, and you can friend me on my, uh, my regular Facebook profile, Jamie H. Young. Uh, I have Instagram at, at Jamie H. Young. Uh, and my website is jamiehyoung.com. I try to keep it simple. And uh, Young yeah. is spelled J-U-N-G, like Carl Jung. I was about to do that because I was like, uh, we've said Young since the beginning, and the whole reason why I said I checked my pronunciation was I was like, I got to make sure I say this correctly. Plus, I wanted to make sure it was Jamie and not like Jaime or something else. So um, I'm glad I got your name right because that's a big step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Um, thanks, oh, listeners. Pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Thank you again. Um, and thank listeners, you. thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow us at burkreviews.com. And until next time, keep watching movies. <laughs>